0: Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that normally pairs compelling themes with some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany.
1: And I'm Chris.
0: And this week we are going to be sorting some Lord of the Rings characters and The Hobbit characters into their respective Hogwarts houses.
1: These are always fun little episodes that we like to throw in every once in a while. Uh,
0: Especially when we don't have time for a full episode. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you'll get this fun sorting chat this week, and then we'll be back on to our regular rotation next week.
0: Yeah. So in the past, we've sorted the fellowship. hmm And also rulers of Middle-earth, but now we are going to other characters that are still important in the stories, both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, who do we have up first?
1: Well, I figured we should start with The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins.
0: I mean, for a hobbit, he has to be a Gryffindor, right?
1: That's so funny, because I was just thinking, for a hobbit, he's such a Slytherin.
0: He, yeah... He's both, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is why he's such a great character. character. Yeah. Um and so many Tolkien scholars have, you know, talked in large part about the the Baggins or the Took side in him and how he has both and I wonder if this could be included there where he's got kind of these dichotomous personality traits. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's very courageous. For a Hobbit, I mean, he goes on an adventure. (laughs) Exactly.
0: That's all you need. It
1: takes him a while to get there, but he does go on it.
0: I mean, it takes him all of like a night or something, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) The most annoying
1: night of his life.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it takes him that, and then
0: them saying that he
1: couldn't. Exactly. He (laughs) He doesn't have the
0: qualifications (laughs) of a burglar.
1: And so, is that is that? His courage is that his ambition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They think I can't do it. I can,
1: though. Exactly.
0: (laughs) But he ends up being fairly good at it. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's that, very sneaky. He's extremely, he's very resourceful,
0: mm-hmm. where
1: he's able to, you know, especially once he has the ring. But even before that, he's able to.
0: I mean, he got the ring via cheating. Totally,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Not that all Slytherins cheat, but to save their lives, they definitely will. Whereas the Gryffindor maybe would just try to make a run for it. <laughs>
1: If cheating is a resource that is available...
0: (laughs) He utilized it well. Exactly. (laughs) Poor (laughs) Gollum. Yes. I think both of those things make a lot of sense. But also, I'm thinking about how he... At the end, when a lot of the dwarves, particularly Thorin, have succumbed to dragon sickness or, you know, gold lust. And he's trying to mitigate losses he's trying he's not just leaving because clearly this isn't gonna work and i'll just take my my stash (laughs) but like he risks his life to go try to to stop these things from happening
1: that's so true and and that actually also reminds me that he also explicitly comes clean to thorin that he was the one who took the Arkenstone and that he did it for these reasons. And, you know, in a very Neville Longbottom kind of way, that's so Gryffindor. That's, that's very brave to stand up to your friends when they're doing what's wrong. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Especially when there's a bunch of them and they all have swords. Exactly. <laughs> and he, your best asset is a ring that makes you <laughs> disappear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he's a, a door.
1: Yeah, I see. I see both very strongly in him. Yeah. Well, next, why don't we discuss Gollum?
0: Oh, Gollum, Gollum, Gollum. I mean, he definitely is resourceful. Mm-hmm. I think he's very sneaky. He's very tricksy. He is able to lure orcs into Shelob's lair. So, thinking of like this beneficial relationship, <laughs> so. Yeah he definitely has that. I, I don't think that he's really ambitious though mm-hmm. because again he has the ring of power. He's kicked out of his community and then he goes and, and lives in a cave for <laughs> a few hundred years. Yeah
1: he, he cares about the one thing he cares about but mm-hmm. he doesn't have ambitions in a social kind of aspect to it.
0: Which kind of leads me to wonder if he is actually Hufflepuff mm. because when he is getting along well with Frodo and just starts to trust Frodo he is so loyal to him yeah and it's only when his loyalty is from his point of view you know just thrown aside and he's betrayed that then he's like goes back to his original plan of trying to get the ring back but for a while he wasn't trying to get the ring back and so it's almost like maybe his loyalty is like either to the ring or frodo or you know if, if anybody was actually nice to him you know like frodo was so yeah i wonder if he's kind of a has some hufflepuff qualities he's definitely patient
1: yeah <laughs> i really like that view of golem because you know when we think about how he is tempted by the ring it's through those kind of loyal aspects where it's it's about it's mine and then it's master's and there's still a mm-hmm. kind of loyalty aspect there but as you mentioned once that's betrayed he is able to be affected through kind of pulling on those strings so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i like the idea of seeing him as kind of a dark a dark hufflepuff with slytherin aspects
0: mm-hmm well, and like, at first I was like, oh, well, he doesn't care about fair play. But actually, maybe he does. He's mm. so annoyed at Bilbo because he cheated. Totally, totally, yeah. Right? I mean, partially it's because he stole his ring. But...
1: I mean, I I feel like I need to reread that chapter. Yeah, because he's like that's,
0: not, like, that's not fair. He can't ask us this question.
1: Yeah. But I, I think there's also an element where it's like, golem was planning on eating him anyway or something (laughs) like that but (laughs) so yeah still still some ambition at least for self-preservation there (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: he was like he might be tastier than an (laughs)
1: orc exactly
0: (laughs) which considering Bilbo's diet for most of his life probably most likely (laughs) yeah
1: i'm sure he's delicious
0: Although I guess he had just been almost starving for a long while That's trekking true. through Middle Earth. <laughs> But yeah, I think that maybe his best self would care about something like Fair Play.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of best selves, why don't we talk about Faramir?
0: <laughs> the book Faramir.
1: Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the only real self. Book Faramir is the best self-Faramir. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. So we are only going to be talking about Book Faramir. Because we don't want sorting.
1: to <laughs> make this half an hour yes. <laughs> of complaints. <laughs> Rage. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I mean, he's a Ravenclaw. Come on now. He's
1: such a Ravenclaw. He's
0: like, the, Yeah oh there was just this battle with all of these people who have died we came across these two hobbits I guess we're just gonna sit down and hear their entire story and I'm gonna ask them questions and I'm not gonna believe them right away but I'm also not gonna throw them in prison or force them to come with me to Gondor or kill them it's just like Yes, he's rationally thinking everything through and takes his time in doing so. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't as good a fighter or military leader, unlike his brother.
1: And it wasn't he seen at times as like Gandalf's pupil? He learned a lot from oh, Mithrandir um, when he was growing up. So I think that, that wouldn't
0: surprise me. Yeah, there's
1: elements there too that very much that see that. And he also, you know, maybe this is kind of a cunning aspect to him, but it certainly shows his intelligence. When he brings Frodo and Sam in, he's kind of talking to them and questioning them. And then he tells them about Boromir's death.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's in a way where he, yeah, he's trying to learn about them, but he's also doing so in a way that's very calculated of mm-hmm. trying to see how they'll react to this important news and and the the things that they're saying. So
0: Ravenclaws can try to catch people in lies totally, too. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know, it's they're liking puzzles and things like that. Probably come from there too. Yeah, so
0: yeah yeah
1: ravenclaw yeah
0: a character we could have a very long conversation about normally a very short conversation when we're sorting him it's like the the moment in the harry potter movie where it just
1: goes immediately on
0: yeah it like barely hovers over draco's head and is like slither on yeah
1: what about eowyn his lady love
0: oh gross <laughs> no one should ever say that (laughs) about anyone (laughs) and if you want to say that about her you probably will end up with a sword in you (laughs) (laughs) let's see i'm thinking of a gryffindor slytherin combo as well maybe 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 primarily slytherin because she definitely has the ambition, you know. It's it's all about this, these great deeds and valor and like going down in narratives, not just yeah, living a life that she thinks is not accomplished.
1: Yeah, that's so funny because I see her the opposite way. I see her as more Gryffindor, huh? Um, because it is like I don't care what my uncle and father figure and king says i'm going to go in disguise and do this thing that is the right thing to do even if it's being done secretly like it it reminds me so much of every time harry goes out under the invisibility cloak where it's like this is against the rules but you're doing it anyway because you think it's right and yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the ambition being there because there's these elements of, of greatness that come with it. But to me, yeah, it just it speaks more Gryffindor than does Slytherin.
0: Well, I guess I'm thinking about it in terms of well, she's talking to Eric Oran and she's saying like, I don't fear death mm-hmm. which yeah. I guess we could talk about that in terms of courage, unless we're talking about courage as you only have courage when you do have a fear and then do something anyway. It kind of depends on how you define that. But what she actually does fear is a life without valor and where Mm. she kind of just is in a cage and like sort of like wastes away, you know, and never does great deeds. And... So, to me, like, her ball guard is about what she accomplishes mm. rather than other injustices or, you know, people dying or mm. whatnot. I mean, obviously, she defends her uncle
1: yeah,
0: with <laughs> the Witch King, you know. So, she definitely has a lot of bravery. That does seem like a very chivalrous sort of act, yeah. right? Like, I know that my uncles severely damaged you know uh not gonna make it this is i don't think middle earth has antibiotics <laughs> <laughs> but she's still gonna be like no you can't touch him and risk her life for it so yeah i i see it both ways
1: yeah interesting enough following that interpretation about what you're talking about with her fear and what she fears she also then does not stand up to that fear and meet it regardless. She gives in to the fear of not having valor and mm-hmm. follows that fear to do something that is reckless and some would say misguided. Yeah. And so in that interpretation, I would say that, yeah, she is more Slytherin than she is Gryffindor. I so, yeah. love
0: having uh, Bilbo and, and Eowyn in the same combo house. <laughs> no, no, right? It's
1: very interesting because <laughs> they're such different characters.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um...
1: But, yeah, so, so I'll, I'll say you, you convinced me she could be Slytherin <laughs> with Gryffindor as a secondary.
0: hmm
1: What about Arwen?
0: I mean, Arwen we only know anything about from the movies.
1: Yeah, she's, she's one of the few characters who's less in the books. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like,
0: basically in one scene, and it's mentioned, like, is sitting at a table, and, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um... It's pretty darn Hufflepuff to be like, I'm giving up my immortality and, like, my father and everyone else because I love this man.
1: That's true. I guess you could make an interesting argument that her character arc and her conflict is about conflicting loyalties, and that's why it's so difficult for her. Loyalty to the person she loves and loyalty to her father and her people. And... You know, those kind of driving her in different directions and her being unsure which to to take throughout the movies, at least.
0: But both are about loyalty. Exactly.
1: And that's why they're both crucial to her. It's not one is an ideal that the other is not. It's that they're mm-hmm. they're both kind of in that loyal aspect. So, yeah, that that's interesting. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know that we know enough about her otherwise. I mean, in the movie, she took Frodo and risked her life with all of these Nazgul chasing Mm them, which obviously shows bravery and courage. But other than that, we don't know how much else is there for Gryffindor.
1: Yeah, for sure. So if Arwen is a Hufflepuff, what about Treebeard?
0: I definitely see some Ravenclaw in him. He and the other Ents were so, like, caught up in talking to other trees Mm. and (laughs) getting to know the shrubbery that they just <laughs> oh what happened to the NYs wives oops <laughs> like, so i think when you see them go to war it is out of this anger towards Saruman because of all of the damage that was done to, to fangorn forest but even the line is a wizard should know better it almost mm. is pointing to a ravenclaw sort of way and like he has spent a lot of time with Saruman, you know. Mm. So, yeah, you could put it towards loyalty, but the fact that they completely lost the Entwives, don't even remember what they look like. <laughs> not a lot of
1: loyalty there. No. <laughs> Actually, not a lot of active loyalty, because they do <laughs> despair over having lost the Entwives, but yeah. It's, it's uh, more
0: because their whole race is now going to die that's out. That's also true, yeah. Well, potentially, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting, You know, I'm wondering about the line, you know, we aren't on anybody's side because nobody's on our side, Mm, where mm -hmm. he doesn't feel loyalty to any group of people.
0: That's true.
1: um, Outside of the Ents themselves. And yeah, so I I like the idea of him as, as this kind of Ravenclaw. And even there, built off of a really interesting form of wisdom, where in the books, I love the idea of them talking about adding hobbits to the song
0: of mm-hmm. the races
1: of Middle Earth, which I think is really, really interesting mm-hmm. way of, of being like, okay, we see you, but we need to understand you in correlation to these other things that we understand as a community. So, yeah, that's cool. I like that.
0: Yeah. Although, now to undercut that, you could also have an interpretation that they are loyal so they wouldn't risk their existence for people that they weren't loyal to. Mm. But as soon as the rest of this forest and people that they were loyal to was cut down, then they're gonna go to war and risk for them. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, yeah that I was my initial understanding way. of it. But yeah. I see the Raven also got some really interesting juice there too. Mm-hmm. So um, Raven Puff. Raven Puff, yeah. I like that. Mm <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, what about Thorin Oakenshield?
0: I feel like he might be a Hufflepuff because this whole thing is about retaking mm-hmm. the Lonely Mountain where his father and grandfather were. He is obsessed with the Ark Stone. you know, that yes, maybe there's other things at play there, you know, dragon sickness and whatnot, but... He is more affected and more unyielding about it than all the other hobbits that are part of his company. And I
1: think once he he heals from it, there's no sense of him wanting the dwarven realms to be the most powerful of the peoples in the region or of Middle-earth. It's just he wants what he sees as belonging to them and their ancestors, um, which I definitely see as a, a loyalty thing for sure.
0: I mean, he wanted to take on a dragon for it.
1: Yeah. so I will say that there's an element of resourcefulness to him, seeing as his name is Oakenshield, where in mm-hmm. midst of battle, he picked up a oak log and used as a shield and kind of, you know, That's that became true. so essential to his character that he was named for it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. But I would still say that that, that resourcefulness and that, that ambition that he does have is still secondary to the loyalty and the hard work that he, he exhibits. So I'd say Hufflepuff as his primary. Yeah, agreed. Well, what about that dragon, Smaug?
0: <laughs> I mean, greed is not an attribute of any of the houses. <laughs> That's true. They
1: can all be greedy.
0: <laughs> exactly. I think he might be a Ravenclaw as well, because... The reason he doesn't kill Bilbo automatically when he smells that there's someone there is because he's curious. Mm -hmm. What are you? I haven't smelled anything like you before. And Bilbo is able to save himself just because of the interest.
1: Totally. Yeah, I I think that that makes sense for him. That's interesting.
0: Also, Benedict Cumberbatch, apparently, he almost always only plays Ravenclaws. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the only option. That makes sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about your favorite character, Tom Bombadil?
0: <laughs> oh, Tom Bombadilio. I don't even know what he is. He's his own thing altogether. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't have to start.
1: I think that he's a Hufflepuff because he's all, mostly just so not any of the others.
0: <laughs> we'll take the lot. That <laughs> means Tom Bombadil, unfortunately, too.
1: <laughs> and I think that there are aspects of loyalty and hard work and fair play in what he does. I mean,
0: he's only loyal to, like, Goldberry.
1: True. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the fact that he is unconcerned with this war and can take the ring and be like, eh, whatever. And, and like, the Council of Elrond talks about how he'd probably lose it somewhere. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, he did make it disappear, didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, shows that, yeah, I think that he's untempted by ambition and that he's happy with where he's at. And
0: I also kind of wonder if he could have some Ravenclaw, aspects, where he's just like, I don't have time for war. (laughs) I am, like, playfully curious about everything. Ooh, I like that.
1: And it also kind of makes me think of, like, a folk intellectualism of Mm -hmm. he's curious about songs and experiences and, and people's stories exactly you <laughs> yeah. know and, and the stories of people including trees and rocks and <laughs> yeah. rivers and things like that so that, that's that's an interesting maybe he got his
0: power there. i mean obviously we're being heretical here <laughs> maybe he got his power through simply learning so much
1: about mm, the world
0: whoa. around him so now he knows how so many things work
1: yeah yeah that's interesting yeah okay I declare him Ravenclaw. (laughs) Well, you
0: declared it,
1: so... Well, let's wrap it up with Grima (laughs) Wormtongue.
0: Yeah, that's good. We can (laughs) stop quickly. (laughs) Yeah, he is... I mean, I think he has cunningness about him to some degree. Mm -hmm. He was able to get into that position of power and utilize it agreed I don't know how much ambition he actually has though
1: yeah he's also very much a lackey yeah but I mean Crab and Goyle are fairly
0: I mean I think they I think they have ambition though because at the end of the series Crab at least yeah is... more like I'm not gonna be a lackey yeah. anymore yeah but also maybe it was like where else are they gonna go and that time Hufflepuff was like no we don't take
1: these two yeah <laughs>
0: But I think he could also be in some ways kind of a twisted Hufflepuff hmm. because maybe a twisted sense of loyalty could be obsession, hmm. which he clearly has. And he's such a creeper. But also at the end, he kills Saruman.
1: Hmm. Um, not very loyal.
0: Not very loyal to him, but that's be- after Saruman was like... A jerk to him. Yeah up until that point he had been pretty loyal to him and in the movies they make him kill him out of
1: loyalty to theoden
0: kind of sort of but more like out of loyalty to humans because Mm. he didn't know that Saruman was gonna wipe out Mm. a bunch of humans as well so yeah he's he's a weird one he is a weird one or maybe he just got kicked out of Hogwarts. There it is. He, he walked in. The sorting hat was like, "No, we don't want go this away. one. <laughs> He's going to terrorize our female students. <laughs> you need to leave."
1: So Squib?
0: So dermstring? No, I'm there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I Poor guess
1: crumb.
0: we're going to wrap it up there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find all the links to our social media and our website in the episode description. You can also join us on Patreon to get access to all sorts of extra content and to help keep the show sustainable. Our supporters have meant so much to us.
0: Absolutely.
1: We want to thank Kimberly taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find our designs at lacelet.com or search for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, Peace geek out! Down.